0: I'm in Jonah chapter 3. Turn with me if you are so kind. Turn with me to Jonah, the third chapter. I'm reading verses 9, 10, and chapter 4 and verse 1. Jonah 3. What an incredible experience we are having in this book as we lead up to, to to our evangelism, evangelistic outreach. New beginnings with Pastor Henderson and a slew of exciting, dynamic presenters doing the workshops. Jonah 3 verses 9. And who knows, maybe God would turn and change his mind and would withdraw his burning anger that we might not perish. And when God saw their deeds and how they had turned from their wicked ways, God changed his mind concerning the calamity that he had said that he was going to bring upon them. But Jonah, verse 1 of chapter 4, was greatly displeased and became and became angry. Pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Our prayers that you would bless our experience and our time. In your word, Father, my prayer is that this experience would truly be inspiring and our hearts would melt under the inspirational power of your your Holy Spirit. Do this, O God, so that you alone can get the glory and the praise. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. amen and amen, amen. So Jonah, 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 very interesting character, I must say. I want to also thank the visitors, our guests, sorry, or that that, that came to be a part of the family today. Um, Elder Pritchard, I would love to meet your sister to find out some of your dark secrets since we travel together pretty often. And I want to thank um, Sister Fabiola's mom for being here. Thank you. Um, See me at the end of the service. I have a few things to share with you. But thank you guys for being here. Those folks that came all the way from Angwin, it was a long drive, but I know it has been worth it already. Amen. You know, we, 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 Jonah is an interesting character. In chapter 1, you know the story, right? You're familiar with the story? In chapter 1, the great storm... Is, 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 is almost about to break the ship in pieces. So the guys began to, to, to throw things over and that isn't calming the waves. And then they began to, to pray to all their various gods and, and idols and that isn't calming the waves. And, and finally, the, the, the captain remembers, hey, there's a dude at the bottom of the ship. <laughs> I think he's sleeping. While, while, we are, while we are trying to save our skins, the dude is sleeping. So they, they wake Jonah up and they said, man, you need to call on your God. Jonah said, listen, it's, it's my fault. You see, I serve the God who created the heavens, the earth, and all that is in it. I, I am a Hebrew that served the true and the living God. You guys serve idols. I'm the one that, that created the, 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 the materials from which you made the idol. And they, they, but, but I'm running from him. And they began to tremble. Because they were like, man, you are what? So this is Jonah's opportunity to share and to explain and to paint a picture of God to the sailors. And, 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 and I believe that these men are coming from all different parts of the world. So, so what Jonah shares, the picture that he paints, the, the, the portrait that he gives of God, these men would become missionaries when they returned to their, to their various countries and, 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 and islands and so on. They would in turn would share the God of Jonah with their friends and family. So listen to what Jonah says. Listen to the pity of God he paints. He said, throw me over. And God would allow the storms to cease. Nowhere in the world Did ignorant Jonah get such an understanding of God? Yahweh, the Old Testament God, who is the New Testament God also, never encouraged or required human sacrifice. What kind of animal or monster are you trying to paint to these sailors, Jonah? Jonah is saying, throw me overboard, kill me! And then... The storms would cease. No, 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 no. Jonah's problem was what? What was he doing? Why was they in trouble? Why were they in trouble? Jonah was doing what? He was running from the Lord. He should have been heading to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, but instead, where was he going? He was going to Tarshish. He was going to Spain. So, what Jonah should have done, church, is simply tell the folks, hey, Turn the ship around. Get me back to a ship going to Nineveh. And the storms would cease. So they threw Jonah overboard. And yet the storm ceased. Because they got rid of the hypocrite. The storm ceased. But the understanding of God. Those people got. Is a God. Who required blood. In order to make things right. That's the pity of God. Jonah left the sailors with. How horrible. How terrible. Huh? Now, now, you know what Jonah was saying when he was saying, throw me overboard? Jonah, Jonah knew better. Jonah was saying, I prefer to die than to preach to the Ninevites. I prefer to be dead than to see any one of them saved or enter God's kingdom. Huh? Jonah was saying, listen, listen, kill me. Instead of any of them, um, I'm learning about the love of God and finding an anchor in Jesus. May I, be, may I perish so that they will never be reached by God. What, 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 what kind of creature is Jonah? So the story is that um, Jonah was in the belly of the, the big fish and, um, and, and Jonah was such a hypocrite that, that the fish got upset and vomited him out. And the second time, chapter 3, the, the chapter begin that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the second time, go preach to Nineveh and let them know that in 40 days judgment is coming. And sometimes I wonder as I think about my own Christian experience and how I share Jesus with my friends or with people who don't have a, a clear understanding of who God is and who haven't received his love, and, and they don't know that the hope that we have in Jesus. They don't know about it. I, I sometimes look at the apathy and my reluctance to share because, well, you know, I, I'm in my comfort zone. Like, sometimes I, I fly pretty often. I'm on, I'm on the plane, and I'm praying. Please do not strike up a conversation with me. I'm trying to read something. Don't. And I think about things like these. So you, you honestly prefer, Dex, you prefer your comfort to somebody's eyes being opened and their lives being changed. That bothers me. It's like Jonah. You know, you, pref- you, prefer, you prefer not to go out of your way and see somebody stop being an alcoholic and being addicted to drugs and, and, and ill-treating their family and abusing their kids because that's what happens when the power of God fills our lives. You prefer to see, you, you prefer your, your, your comfort zone or not to be bothered than to see those good things happen in people's lives. I think about that sometimes. So, 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 so Jonah is preaching to the Ninevites. And the Bible says in verse 9 that they came to this conclusion. You see, they had a better understanding of God than Jonah was trying to portray They said, well, 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 let's let's fast, let's repent, let's let's seek God's face, let's turn from our wicked ways, let's let's ask for forgiveness, let's run to to, to, to the Creator and and tell Him we're sorry, we we, we, we have pushed Him away from from us for too long, and we want want to do different. And verse 9, it says, and and who knows? They didn't even know. And this is so profound, because they were repenting, for repentance sake, they were changing because it was worth following God than living the life that they lived before. Of course, the warning, the hell and brimstone preaching kind of woke them up a little bit, right? But but, but it wasn't because of the destruction that, that was promised, because they weren't sure that God was going to change his mind. Huh? They said, but let's still repent, just in case he, he changes his mind and, 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 and hold off his wrath and, and, and don't dis- destroy us. And verse 10 says that when God saw their deeds and how they had turned from their wicked ways, he, he backed up and he said, you know what? I'm going to protect them. Because what really happened is that God was just withdrawing his protection. He said, you guys don't want me. You guys are doing whatever you please in my face. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a gentleman. I to just back away. And let you do your thing and see what happens when God is not in your lives. So God was planning to just withdraw his presence from Nineveh. And God said, no. Stop the calamity from coming upon them. But you know, we read something very strange in verse 1 of chapter 4. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, And Jonah was greatly displeased, and he became angry. <laughs> Are you serious? He became angry because people were being baptized. He became annoyed because souls were being saved. He became putrefied because people were repenting and, and, and choosing to live better by God's strength. He became angry. No, no, no. Some some scholars believe that, that Jonah's anger was because he didn't want to look like a fool. He had predicted, he's like, he's like he went in the he said, guys, this is what's going down. In about six weeks, you're about to die. You're going to perish. God is going to rain judgment on you all. And, and, and it didn't come through. So, so, so some scholars believe that, that Jonah didn't want to look like a false prophet. You know, he didn't want to look like he was faking the funk. He wanted to be authentic when he said, thus says the Lord, that that's what would happen. And, and sometimes I think we, we preach the gospel with, with, without realizing, we, we share our prophecies without realizing that, that, that our prophecies are conditional and they are dependent on, on people's reaction to the gospel. Sometimes God says this is what's going to happen if you never repent, so let me let me let me share a scripture with you from First Timothy chapter two. Jump in here with me. First Timothy the second chapter. I'm reading verses one to three. You know what? What spurred this thought? A couple of um, filling stations ago, a couple of prayer meetings ago, we had our circle of prayer, right? And, and Elder Richard Robinson he started praying, and at the end of his prayer, he started praying for President Obama and his family. I'm like, hello. Why are you bringing your democratic spirit up in the prayer meeting? Those were my first thoughts, right? Because I didn't remember him praying for the former president like that. I'm just saying. But, but, but it, it struck me. It struck me. And it reminded me of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Paul says, first of all, that all prayer petitions and thanksgiving be made for all men. And then in verse 2 he says, for, for especially for kings... And for those in authority that we might lead a quiet and a peaceful life with dignity. For this is pleasing in the sight of God who wishes that all men, how many men? All men would come to a knowledge of the truth. But this is a a confusing passage. Listen, listen. Because in in our prophecies, didn't Jesus say in Matthew 26 that before his coming there will be wars and what? And rumors of wars, huh? He clearly says that before I come, before I burst the clouds and ride down the skies of glory, this whole place is going to be in chaos. So then wh- why are you asking me to pray for peace? And, and doesn't our, 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 pre- our prophecies tell us that there'll be a, a Sunday law? Huh? It's actually, on our, it's actually on our legislative books, you know? That, that soon and very soon, that, that, that Sabbath keepers will be targeted and they'll be unfavorable to the nation's cause for, for whatever and will be persecuted. So if, if that's the case, why in the world, Paul, are you asking me to pray for peace and to pray for leaders that might lead the charge in persecuting God's people? Why pray for peace? It's, it's almost as if, if I am praying for peace I am delaying the coming of Christ. Huh? You know, the interesting thing is since I can't see your facial expressions, I know you're loving the word of God. Your eyes are rolling and your, 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 the wheels in your minds, they are stirring and I, I'm feeling it, right? So, so if you pray for peace and you pray for the leaders, it might be deterring or holding back The impending doom that the Bible predicts is going to come upon this earth. Now, if you think Paul was being ridiculous, I mean, you should read Jeremiah 29 and verse 7. In Jeremiah 29 and 7, the children of Israel had gone into captivity, right? They had gone into Babylon. Remember Revelation 18 says, come out of Babylon. and How Babylon is going to be destroyed and how evil and gruesome Babylon is, right? Wicked and cruel they are. But in Jeremiah twenty, the 29, the children of Israel are going to be exiled in Babylon. And listen to what God says to Jeremiah. Verse 4, God says, God says, tell the people that they need to build houses and get wives and and marry and and, and have kids. And verse 7 is the one that strikes me. Because God says in verse 7, seek the welfare of the city. Seek for its peace and pray for the city. For in the city's peace, you will have your peace. Really? Really? You know, a few um, years ago, I was um, visiting Trinidad, and I was just rolling through my little village, hollering at some of my old peeps, and there's a sister that we, we did a lot of Bible studies together, and she eventually took over the Bible studies and on fire for God. And I got to her and she had you know you know was reading this I don't remember the guy she was reading, but you know, he was talking about the end times and 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 and, and, and about how, how the spirit of antichrist is, is is influencing the leaders and and how you know all those kind of stuff. And and how there's the mark of the beast and the six 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 is in our bank cards and, and and soon they're gonna put it in our water. No, they didn't say that. But you know, it's all sort of conspiracy theories, right? And so I was sharing with her what we do in Oakland and how we how we go out on the streets and we we we, we give sandwiches out to the to, to, to the disenfranchised and the downtrodden and the and the homeless and, and sometimes sometimes we just sit there with people listening to them share their stories for hours. Hearing them on un, on un, un, unload their, their hurts and their pains. I was so amazed this Thursday as I rode the van with with um with Sarah Baker and, and, and with Milton. We we rolled up to this house, Milton, and they call it the house of plenty. Because there's like a hundred people living like two bedrooms, house of plenty. And it's so amazing. Not only were they, I mean, when, when, when the van rolled up, they were like all over the van. Yes, give me sandwiches, give me water, give me cookies. But what was amazing, Milton even brought crayons. You know, and, 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 and when I'm sharing the ministry with this lady, right? And I'm telling her, you know, it's, 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 it's so powerful that, that, that the church is relieving the, the oppressed and that, that, that the church is making a difference in its community and, and you know, the, the church is like the conscience of its community and we are, we are bringing healing to people and, and hope and, and I'm sharing all these stories. And then she says to me in a very, in a very um, arrogant tone, she said, boy. Why are you calling boy? Mr. Boy, please. She said, boy, don't you read? Don't you know that this world is going to be destroyed? You should be focusing your energies on preaching the three angels' message alone. You should be telling people that a judgment is coming, and if they don't shape up, they're going to die. She said, that's what you should be preaching. Why are you wasting your time huh? feeding the homeless? And, 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 and trying to, to talk to your legislatures and, and get them to, to ensure that there are laws that would protect um, the, the, the marginalized and the, the mentally um, disabled. Why are you wasting your time? All of these things are going to be destroyed. So just preach the gospel. It, it bothered me. It bothered me. She said, just preach the gospel. Don't waste your energy trying to help people. All you need to do is save them from sin. That's it. But it it troubled me because it it was not consistent with with the words from from 1 Timothy chapter 2 and from Jeremiah. He says, pray for the leaders. Don't only pray for the leaders, but pray for peace. Huh? Pray for peace. Pray pray that our, our, our soldiers would return from Iraq. Pray that the Iraqi government would be so stable that the the experiment in democracy would be successful. Pray for peace. Pray that North Korea would begin to disarm and give God praise that the two reporters got released. Pray for peace. Pray for peace. She reminded me of, of, of some of us that look forward to calamities to happen so that we can say the end is near. Huh? We look forward for bad things. We, we we read the newspaper and we almost rejoice when thousands are dying in Sri Lanka because you say, You see, that's what the Bible says, there shall be earthquake and diverse places. Look, it's right there. Let more come, Jesus, so that people could wake up and know that you're coming in soon. Let more come. The Bible says, pray for peace. Pray that we live a quiet and peaceable life. You see, we, 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 we have almost through through our understanding of our prophecy and, and the end of time, we have almost become masochistic where we want to see evil and suffering so that we can justify how near we are. The Bible says, pray for peace, pray that we live a quiet life. And and I think this, this is Jonah's problem. You see, my, my, my challenge with the ladies I I am I am sick of a church that would tell people about the water life, the, the, the water of life. Without helping them when they can't pay the water bill, I, I I can't take it anymore. Just 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 a wrong a Christian church that, that want to talk about in the in the sweet by and by, but they fail to help people in the nasty now and now, huh? All I want to preach about is, is in my father's house. There are many mansions. But what about helping, helping folks with low-income housing? The, the, my, 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 my idea of the church is one that touches the community. You ought to make a difference. Like the famous dictum says, if your church had burned to the ground today, would it make a difference in your community? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then we need to change it. Yeah. That's why I'm so impressed with the, with, with the upcoming seminars that we're going to have because the workshop is designed for our community. We're not just telling people about God and read your Bible and all that good stuff. No! We're telling them how to get out of debt and how to make ends meet and, 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 and how to cook better and, and, and how to parent better. Practical godliness! The Bible says, pray for peace that we might live a quiet life. Pray for your leaders. Don't rejoice. It's, it's, like, it's, it's like, you remember Katrina about four years ago in, in New Orleans? People are dying. People were living in these, in, in these little makeshift tents and sleeping on carts where some were being raped and, and, and the government was, was so slow in, in responding to the crisis and, and, and folks were, were drinking sewage water. and it, it, it was a horrible mess in America. But you know what some Christians were doing? Some of my good, sweet Adventist Christians, you know what we were doing? We sat there talking about how wicked the city was and how much they deserved it. We sat there talking about all the, all the gruesome crimes and the immorality in the city, and yes, they deserve it. Instead of trying to recruit volunteers to, 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 to take food and, and, and rescue efforts, we sat there theologizing over people's, over people's tragedy. We sat there prophesying about their pain. And you tell me that's the gospel? That's the spirit of your Lord and Savior? Huh? That's the wrong Jesus you're talking about. That's not the spirit of Jesus. It's the spirit of Jonah. Choose which J you're going to serve. Huh? So this is, this, is Jonah's, this is Jonah's challenge. Jonah is predicting doom and damnation. And when it doesn't happen, he's hurt. He's hurt because people are saved. He's hurt because God's love far outweighs his judgments. He's hurt because God is too kind and, and, and forgiving and, and longs. In fact, in verse 3 of chapter 4. If you're there with me in verse 3 of chapter 4 of the book of Jonah, Jonah said, you, you, you know what Jonah almost started like, like giving God the middle finger and, finger and wagging his, his fist in God's face. That's why I told you I didn't want to come to, to, to know Nineveh. I told you that because I knew that you're gracious and you're forgiving and you're long-suffering. I, I, I knew that. I knew you're just too kind. He was angry with God for being kind. He's like the older, the older brother of the prodigal son. His brother came home. And he was peeved. He's like, I ain't coming to no party for someone who spends so much time in the world and they're coming back and they're getting in freely. H to the E to the L to the L. No, I'm not going to do it. That's what he was saying. And, and, and this, 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 this was Jonah's attitude. So, so what, what, what troubles me, church, what troubles me deeply is the pity of God we paint to the world. Think about it. The the picture of God that you paint, is God like a monster? Is God waiting to destroy and hurt people? Is God the reason for all the calamities that that we are facing? Is, 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 Is it God's fault? And is that the God that you share with your friends and your family? So I am not surprised, I'm not surprised that a lot of people call themselves atheists. And I don't blame them. Because you see that ugly, mean-spirited God that a lot of us have been preaching and sharing? I'm an atheist. I don't want to serve that God. I don't care to believe in that God. The God I believe in is the God who, when the Ninevites repented, he said, I'm going to save them. I'm going to clean them up. I'm going to give them a second chance. I'll, 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 I'll forgive their bad. Slidings. I believe in a God that says if you confess your sins that he's faithful and just to forgive you from all your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's the God I believe in. And that the God Jesus came to show us. That's why Paul could say, Paul could say, a lot of people think that, that God was like flogging Jesus on the cross. Or that someone had to bite the bullet because God had a, God had, had a hatred towards humanity. So, so Jesus said, Hey Father, I'm going to take the flogging for humanity. Whoop me. Kill me for humanity. Because I know you want to hurt somebody, God. So hurt me. No! Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's the gospel, church. Didn't you read John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever chooses to believe in him, we will not perish but we'll have everlasting life. God did not send his son, verse 17, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might live. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. For some reason, Jonah thought God's grace was not for sinners. Jonah thought God's grace was not for the unworthy. Jonah thought God's grace was not for folks who wanted a second chance. And, and you know, I am amazed, church. You know, there, there are a lot of you, you have suffered a lot of spiritual abuse. You have, you have been to churches growing up as, as kids and Sabbath after Sabbath, Sunday after Sunday, you were told how mean God was and how angry he was and how, how mad at you he was. I'm telling you today, God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. You hear me? He's crazy in love with you. Sabbath after Sabbath, you're, you were wounded and you were told God was making you pay. So I'm amazed and I'm impressed that some of you still chose to give God a second chance and find a place at the grand. I'm amazed because, because I've heard your stories and I've known, I've, I've, I've known what you have been through, the ugliness that Satan told someone to tell you that that's God. And you still took the risk and you said, God, I'm going to give you a second chance. And that's why church, that's why it's, it's imperative. It's so important that, that you sh- if you have been blessed by the ministries at this church, it's imperative, it's crucial, it's, it's vital that you share that with someone. You, you give a flyer, you, you give a book, you make a phone call. Let them know that Jesus is being lifted up and he's changing people's lives. You know, I heard about a man who... Um, He lost his daughter at the age of six. She was killed by a serial killer. And he was so angry with God because in his mind, God had never been there when he needed him the most. It's amazing how tragedy and and hardship makes us forget the many daily blessings that God fills us our lives with. You know, and he was there accusing God of how wicked God was for for taking his daughter. And and then, then, then at the very place his daughter died, he went back to that place to meet God, to have it out with God, to shake his fist in the face of God. And then God said to him, he said, Mac, he said, you have three kids. One of them must go to hell. Two of them could go to heaven, but one must go to hell. Choose which one you want to go to hell. Mark said, man, I love all of them. I love them. They're, 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 they're bad sometimes, but I love them. They get crazy sometimes, but I love them. The, 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 the Lord said, no, choose which one. One has to go. He said, no, I can't choose. He said, well, let, let me go instead. Let me go. And then the Lord said to him, man, you're beginning to song like my son Jesus. And then the Lord said something to, to Mac, which was so powerful to me, the Lord said to him, Mac, it's amazing that you cannot send any of your children to hell, and you think I do. You think that you're, you're, you're kinder and more merciful than I am. You cannot send any of them huh, to be lost for eternity, but you think I do. And from that day, he understood the love of God, that none should perish But that all should come to repentance. He understood the love of God. You heard what Timothy said? That he wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, church, I pray God that He would He would remove from us the spirit of Jonah and replace it with the spirit of Jesus. That we would love people into healing, that we would love them into transformation. That we would love them into seeing God make a difference in their lives. The spirit of Jesus. The spirit that extends God's forgiveness and God's mercies and God's grace. And and when people see how we live, they would know that truly there is a God. I want you to experience that. So this Sabbath, I want to pray for somebody. I want to pray for somebody, firstly, who wants to say, Pastor Thomas, I, I haven't made a decision to accept Jesus as my as my best friend, as the one who would really turn my life around. And this morning, this afternoon, I want to do that. I want to pray for you. And then there might be others who are saying, Pastor, I, want, I, I, I really want to share my faith. I want to stop being so cold and so indifferent. I want God to begin to use me. I want to pray for you also. As Grady plays gently, I want to ask you to stand with me. As we make this short appeal. Stand with me where you are. Stand with me as we make this short appeal. I want to give someone an opportunity. I'll be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to come and be friends with this God of love. This God that, 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 that has been longing to see you back in his arms. This God that is so excited about creating you and about you living out your full potential. So there, there are some today. We want to accept Jesus. You want to make a move, a different decision today that you want God to reign in your heart. You want to be prayed for. You want me to pray for that decision. You, you even want to go all the way and even be baptized. You want to be studied with. I want you to come and join me. Be brave and be bold. This is going to be really short. I want you to come and join me. And then there's another category of people I'm, I'm calling to this altar You want to leave your comfort zones and you want to begin to share more. You really want to begin to extend yourself to let people know about the loving God that you have met. Come and join me also. Let's do this really quickly. Come on down to the altar. Somebody who wants to accept Christ as their savior, as their best friend. The one who would begin to guide their lives. The one who they'll take all their decisions from. Come and join me really quickly. I want, to be, I, want, I want to pray with you and for you right now. And others who want to step up their game for the kingdom, come and join me. You want to really begin to serve more, come. I want you to be a part of my prayer, come. In the name of Jesus, come. Amen. There are others that need to be here. Others that need to be here. There are others that need to be here. I have prayed for you. And I'm going to be praying with you right now. Because I'm expecting God to do great things in your life. I'm sharing from personal experiences. The places God has brought all of us from is is just amazing. There are others that still need to be here. I'm I'm waiting a few more moments. Please, slip out of your pews. You want the person next to you to walk with you. Then take them by the hands and ask them to accompany you to the altar. Come. And let's make, make this decision today have God as the the center of, of your existence. You've tried pleasure. It's useless. You still end up empty. You feel worse than you did before. And you want God to fill that void today. You want to be prayed for. You want to be studied with. You even want to be baptized. Come. And others who want to really begin to serve humanity. You want to be a blessing to someone. Then Come. 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 Let us pray. Father, we are grateful that your, your sweet spirit, the spirit that has touched all of our lives and that has changed us, that he's in this place. Thank you, God, for those who have come. They're saying, we, we want to make a, a move today. We want to make a decision that would outlast time and that would take us way into, into eternity. Thank you for their decisions. Would you bless your children? Would you fill them with your anointing, O God, today? Would you take away the pain and the hurts that they're faced with, Father, and fill the void of emptiness? Let them know what a dear friend you are. Let them know about your love. Let them give you a second chance. And then others of us, Lord, we have come because we want, we want to be used by you We don't want to keep being pure warmers, but we we want to be used by you. That's why we're here. Please bless us and and Lord, give us that passion to see people know you. We thank you for answering these prayers of ours. In the name of Jesus, amen.